I've got eight points, or I've got to make this count. Y'all ready for this? I want to talk about life being precious to God and, and the preciousness, preciousness of life. Again, as I mentioned, we're partnering with Love Life Ministries, a pro-life organization that works with area churches, providing prayer and ministry for those seeking abortions at local abortion clinics. So uh, again, we're praying. It's a prayer ministry. I'm really excited about that. So as I conclude, Greg Stevens is going to be coming up here to talk about what we'll be doing and how impactful uh, Love, uh, Love Life Ministries is. So let me, before he comes, speak briefly about how valuable and precious life is to God. How many know your life is precious to God? How many know the life of your children are very precious to God? So I've got uh, eight points about life, and we're going to mention some things about abortion. Again, here's point number one, and my notes are online. You can go to victorychurchraleigh.com uh, forward slash notes, and you'll find my notes right there for today, and you can follow along. Number one, human life is created for companionship with God. How many already knew that? New Living Translation, Genesis 1, 26 through 27, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. That's so significant. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The only part of creation that was, that was made like God is humanity. That's the reason I don't believe in evolution. We didn't evolve from lower matter. We were made by the hand of God. A creator formed us, formed our bodies from the dirt, and then breathed into our nostrils something of himself, the breath of life. And we have a spiritual nature. We, we come alive at conception. How many hear me? And so we're the only part of creation that is, that is that way. That's the reason that we value, put such a huge value on human life. Secondly, we believe that life begins at conception. It's not a blob of lifeless matter in the womb of a pregnant woman. Uh, it's a life that is given by God. How many hear me? So, you know, this is a theological thing, um, and uh, uh, theologians and Bible scholars and just believers throughout the centuries have tried to figure out nobody really has a handle on which way it is, and you can believe what you want. There's a, there's a term called traducianism, and then there's creationism. Traducianism believes that when, that when sperm meets egg, at that moment, uh, uh, the spirit nature of humanity that's created like God is actually formed from the act of conception. And then creationism believes that, that literally when sperm meets egg and a pregnancy begins, God sends the spirit from heaven. Now, you, you can do a lot of research on that. You know, either way, the bottom line is life begins at conception. So maybe some of you that like to study and think, maybe you can figure on that a little while and tell me what you think about it. What do you think? Because life begins at conception, we consider abortion as murder. Psalm 139, it was on the, uh, it was on the uh, thing here on the screen earlier, Psalm 139, 13 through 18, New Living Translation, You made all my delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. How can you say that's not a human being? Huh? 
How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. And then the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Now, that's a big deal. Do you know you were in God's heart at the beginning of creation? One thing about God, he is, uh, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing. He knows everything that ever has been or ever will be all in a moment of time. So you were in his heart when he created the earth, when he created the universe. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? And here it says, Jeremiah said, God said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Third point, murder is prohibited by God. And this is familiar to us as believers. Exodus 20 verse 13, you must not murder. Genesis 9 verses 5 and 6, I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. Anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. Above every life form on earth, the most special life that God created is human life. And that's the, the reason that we put the value on human life that we do is because that we believe as Christians we were made in the image of God to fellowship with God. And as I said earlier, God put something of himself into us. He put a spirit nature in us. And that spiritual nature causes us to be cognizant of eternal things, of something well beyond us. There's a, there's a spiritual realm that we can't see with our physical eyes, we can't hear it with our physical ears, and we can't touch it with our senses. But you know what? There's a spiritual realm that we can learn to be a part of as we come to know Jesus as Savior. And in that spiritual realm, there's also dark forces. Satan is there, and he's coming to oppose and resist the purposes of God. Yes or no? So I'm, I'm choosing to be a part of the spiritual realm that God is involved in, and, uh, and so because we're created in the image of God and because we're, we're made so special, murder is prohibited by God number four. Now here, here's where it gets kind of heavy. Y'all ready for this? When Israel forsook God in the Old Testament and began to worship idols, one of the things uh, idols they worshipped was Molech. They began to sacrifice their children to a God named Molech. Baal was, uh, was one of the gods they worshipped. They worshipped God, uh, the God Baal, uh, with, with sexual immorality, which is absolutely repugnant and horrible. How many know God made sex for the confines of marriage? And anytime you engage in sexual activity outside of the box that God uh, placed uh, sex to be uh, participated in called marriage, you're actually worshipping a demonic force. Have you ever thought about that? You know, you know, I've been to other nations, about 17, 18 nations of the earth. I've been to India. Oh, I forgot to count. I think, um, I think I've been to India 14, 15 times and uh, different places in India. And I've seen, I've seen the idolatry, which is rampant about every corner of every city in India. And you can see the physical idols. But, you know, we've got just as much idol worship going on in America today. We don't have physical idols, but you know what? Every time uh, illicit sex is engaged in, idolatry is performed. And it opens up a demonic, a, 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 a door to the demonic 
in our nation. And, and, and Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Yes or no? There's another God called Molech in the Old Testament. Uh, he was a consort or a companion of Baal. And Molech was a very detestable God. Let me read a couple of things of what the Bible says about the God Molech and how Molech is actually being worshipped today in America. Leviticus 22 through 7. Give the people of Israel... Uh, these instructions which apply both to native Israelites and the foreigners living in Israel, if any of them offer their uh, children as sacrifice to Molech, they must be put to death. The people of the community must stone them to death. Molech was a, was a god, uh, I think it had an animal-looking head, arms would stretch out in front of it, and then they'd put like creosote, something tar, something that would burn on the arms, and then people would literally take their little babies that had just been born and pass them through the fires or the arms of Molech, and then underneath the idol, there was a pit of fire. And so they begin to play instruments really loud so to drown out the cries of the dying babies. It's gross to talk about. But that's what they did. And they passed their babies through the fire because they wanted to honor the god Molech so their crops would grow and so that they would be blessed. That was the superstitions involved in that day. And God said it was an abomination for the people to do that. Verse 31, I will turn myself, I myself will turn against them, cut them off from the community because they have defiled my sanctuary and brought shame on my holy name by offering their children to Molech. And if the people of the community ignore those who offer their children to Molech and refuse to execute them, I myself will turn against them and their families and will cut them off from the community. This will happen to all who commit spiritual prostitution. Wow. By worshiping Molech. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? 1 Kings 11, 4 through 7. Speaking of Solomon. Uh, Solomon's old age. They turned his heart, that is his 700 wives and 300 concubines. They turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being uh, completely faithful to the Lord as God as, as his father David had been. Solomon worshiped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Amorites, Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. On the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, he even built a pagan shrine for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and another for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Uh, Ammonites. So again, Molech was worshipped uh, when Israel forsook the god of their fathers, and, uh, and today uh, Molech is worshipped via abortion. It's a mimic of the worship of the historical God Molech. Did you hear what I said? So demon spirits get involved in murder, yes or no? And the murder of the unborn, particularly demon spirits get involved in a culture to bring that culture's demise when the culture chooses to embrace these kinds of heinous sins. Again, it's, uh, it's actually demon worship when we worship idols, 1 Corinthians 10, 18 through 20. This is uh, the modern English version. Consider Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons 
and not to God. I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. So, in worshiping Molech, the Israelites sacrificed their children, and they were actually involved in worshiping demon spirits. Do you see the, you see the connection? And so today, here's, here's, here's the connection, number five. Abortion is a modern form of Molech worship. Have you ever thought about it? And now, sadly, in our nation, uh, abortion clinics abound in the cities all over the United States. And now, it's a money-making industry. We actually take the tissues from the aborted fetuses and use them in many of the products we use on and in our bodies Do you think God's excited about that? Do you think demon spirits are excited about that? And so what has happened is the church as a whole, we've turned a blind eye and a deaf ear to what's been happening in our nation since abortion became legal in 1973. Yes or no? Yes or no? Now it's time to stand up. So my question today is how many of us are willing to take a stand and stand up for what is right. We are in a tremendous spiritual conflict. And actually the future of the United States is being determined by us right now. And it seems as though every devil in hell is unmasking itself in all the various uh, strata or layers of culture in the United States. And they're just, they're just blatantly doing what used to be done in private. Our children now no longer understand the difference between male and female. Now they can switch between genders. They can even be a dog if they want to classify themselves as an animal. What a sad thing. What a sad tribute to a nation that was, that was actually founded so we could worship God freely. How many hear me? So there's tremendous spiritual warfare that's happening today. And abortion, again, is a modern form of Molech worship. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 very familiar, a final word, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So again, as in my notes, demon spirits infiltrate any nation given over to idolatry. And since abortion caters to the ancient god Molech, it opens a person, it opens a family, opens a nation to the infiltration of demon spirits. And what do they do? They seek to kill, steal, and destroy. Yes or no? And friends, we as believers have got to stand up and do something uh, to stand up against this onslaught of the enemy in our nation and stand up together. For Simitah, Uh, In the United States, um, we have turned idolatry into uh, murder and uh, a money-making industry. We've turned abortion into that. And 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So abortion is idolatry. Everybody say it out loud. Abortion is a form of idolatry. Go back and research it yourself as a form of Molech worship. There's a, there's a new book that came out early September by Jonathan Kahn, uh, who is a Jewish rabbi, a Messianic Jewish rabbi. How many of you have ever heard of Jonathan Kahn? Yes? Well, he's got a book out called The Return of the Gods, and he talks in detail in a couple of the chapters about Baal worship, Istar worship, and, 
and uh, Molech worship in, in uh, Bible times and how it relates. And there's a parallel of what's coming right back up in the world today and, and actually is led by the United States of America quite uh, sadly. My point number six is this. The backdrop of immor- abortion is immorality, the misuse of sex. How many know uh, sex is created by God? as an enhancement for marriage, a pleasure to be enjoyed only between two people who have entered into a covenant called marriage. And so um, sex, first of all, is for a husband and wife to to enjoy their marriage relationship. But the second reason for uh, God creating the act of marriage we call sex, the sex act, is for the propagation of the human race, yes or no? We've made sex, however, into a tool of self-satisfaction, and it's engaged in a very selfish people. So let me say this, any act of sex, let me say it again, any act of sex, I got a whole series I'm going to do on sex and sexuality, any act of sex entered into outside of the bonds of marriage attracts demon spirits into a person's life. It's not possible to be a believer and have an active sex life outside of marriage. That didn't go over big, but it's true. How many hear what I just said? If you're having sex and you're not married, you need to repent before God. Maybe Jesus was talking to those people that enter into that in Matthew chapter 7 when he said, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven. If you're struggling with your sexuality, if you're struggling with immorality, if you're struggling with homosexuality, if you're struggling with lesbianism, if you're struggling with transgenderism, let me tell you what you are doing. You've been listening to the voice of our culture rather than the voice of God. The enemy is lulling you to sleep, lulling your conscience to sleep. If you can enter into any of the things that I just mentioned conscienceless and it doesn't bother you, it's, it's a telltale sign that the enemy has woven his fabric into the into, the, into your thought patterns and into your emotions. You know what? It's going to eventually uh, encase your life and could lead you to hell. That's a, that's a strong word, would you say? 1 Corinthians 6, 13. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. And uh, Paul was writing to the Corinthian culture. They worship false gods through sexual orgies inside of pagan temples all over Corinth. It was very... Very licentious, a very sexualized city. And so, the, and, and so here was their argument. Um, you say food was made for the stomach, the stomach for food. This is true. Though some, uh, someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. So here's what the people in Corinth were say, saying. They were coming to Jesus and they had been in the pagan temples and they had been involved in the immorality of their culture. And they came to the apostle Paul when they came to Jesus and said, wait a minute. I get hungry. I'm hungry when I wake up in the morning, so I eat breakfast. I'm hungry at night, so I have dinner. When I'm hungry, I eat food. So is not sex appetite an appetite God placed in us? And should it not be satisfied just the way my hunger pains are satisfied? That's what the Apostle Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 6. Then he went on and said, but you can't say our bodies were made for sexual immorality. You may satisfy your craving for hunger anytime you want to, but you've got to uh, satisfy that sexual desire only in the way that God ordained it because it's a special thing. How many hear me? They were made for the Lord, he says, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Verse 14, and God will raise us 
from the dead by His power, just as He raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never! And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For The Scripture says the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. I think J.B. Phillips' translation says, run from sexual looseness like the plague. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and, and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Can we read that out loud? You do not belong to... Can you say that one more time? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And it's a dishonor to God and it's a worship of demon spirits when sex is entered into outside of marriage. Marriage as defined as one man and one woman in the monogamous relationship ordained by God. Yes or no? A lot more to say about that. Number seven, if you have had an abortion. Or you a guy and you're involved with a girl who has had an abortion. How many know there's a lot of grace and mercy for your life? Uh, just before um, what I read here in 1 Corinthians 6, the Apostle Paul said this, verse 9, Don't you realize those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves, those who indulge in sexual sins or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. I have a question. Should I change what the Bible says because our culture changed? Huh? Should I, should I not mention this because it's not popular? Should I say what God said? Should we believe what God said? Should we act on what He said? So he goes on to say, those who indulge in sexual sins or worship idols, commit adultery, male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheap people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is where the cool part starts. And such were some of you. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you're made holy, you're made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The good news is, I don't care what we've been involved in in our past. When you lay your life at the feet of Jesus, He cleanses what you did and who you are, and he treats you as though you never did wrong. Is that good? Every morning when I get up, I, 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 I kneel at a certain chair in my upstairs room, and I just say some things to the Lord. I, 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 wanna, I thank him that I'm a new creature, and I thank him that all of my sins have been forgiven and cleansed, and, I, and now I'm no longer a sinner. I've been made right. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes or no? So if you've been involved in the sin of abortion if you par or you have participated in the sin of abortion, how many know God has a lot of mercy on you? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar, showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. And then verse 1 of 1 John 2, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father, 
He's Jesus Christ, the righteous, the one who's truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's the good news. Regardless of where we've been and what we've done, thank God when you come to Jesus, God erases your past. Is that good news? So if you're, again, you're here today, you've, you've participated in the, in the sin of murder, abortion, or, or, or it's you yourself, or are you the guy? And, and you've been a part of that. And you know what? God has a lot of mercy on your life. Repentance, last one, number eight. Repentance opens the door for God's mercy and forgiveness when we sin. Repent means I realize what I did. I know I'm wrong. And repentance literally means an about face. You, you were going one way, and you turn around, you stop doing that, and you go a different direction. Psalm 51 is is David's prayer of repentance after he committed adultery with another man's wife named Bathsheba. And David said, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you. You alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. See, what was he doing? He was owning what he did wrong. And that is David's act of repentance. Repentance is owning, okay, what I did was wrong. It's sin. What's next? And then he said, verse 5, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Uh, Verse 6, But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me, verse 7, from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. The thing that's really helped me in my life is, is, is before I knew Jesus, all of the things that I did, all of the things that I said, all of the rotten, foul language in the... And, the, and just the ways of living that I was involved in before I knew Jesus. God has no record of it in heaven, and nor does he with you. Is that good news? So thank God there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But you know what? Um, you know, when we participate in certain kinds of sins, they stir up the demonic realm. And that's the concern I have for our nation today. The demonic realm has been stirred because as a whole, our culture has chosen to set aside God's values of human life. And our, our culture as a whole, whole has chosen to, to set aside the fact that we're created in the image of God and that we need to keep ourselves pure in body and in spirit. Yes or no? 